0: I am going to say something, and I need you to hear me out. I need you. I need our listeners. I need everybody to go with me for just a moment. Let's go. Napoleon Dynamite is a little bit hot. Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast. This is the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture, and sometimes Napoleon friggin' Dynamite. We dig almost 20 years into the archive for some truly iconic pop culture. You may or may not be wondering Is Napoleon Dynamite Mormon? (laughs) Unless
1: you're Mormon In which case you'll know know.
0: Yes, the answer answer is is yes yes. 100% (laughs) yes But we're just Going to talk about how Mormon He really is
1: So surface, watching Napoleon Dynamite Again after, (laughs) I mean it's been Years and years for me It's probably Mm -hmm. been years and years for you You know thoughts first thoughts
0: it all came rushing
1: back for me
0: <laughs> um the first time i ever saw this movie i'm
1: pretty sure was with you
0: in theaters mm-hmm. with our mom and one of my high school best friends who was not mormon had nothing to do with mormonism and i don't think we knew it was a mormon movie when we went we just like went there was like a little mm-hmm. buzz about it we're going to the movies let's go um we're watching and i think the first sign i had besides it being set in preston idaho the first sign i had that it was mormon was that he wears a rick's college t-shirt at one point rick's college became byu idaho but then we were we're all watching it we're like what are we even watching like no one knew what to do with it pretty much for the whole movie and then we got to the dance scene And I just remember all four of us being like, whoa, this is something. This is
1: transcendent.
0: I'm having like a spiritual out of body experience here.
1: Yeah. It's funny you say that because even upon this rewatch, the dance scene really does something to me.
0: It hits, man.
1: Yeah. He can move that weird little body. (laughs) (laughs) he knows Um, what he's doing
0: I will say watching it again for the podcast I watched it with my niece and nephew who are in town visiting from Canada they were not alive when this movie came out they had never heard of it and I was like children teenagers sit down with me and watch this absolutely batshit little movie and they they were good sports they were like sure they were like kind of a gas through the whole thing like what are we watching what is this who are these people what century is this movie set in like i yeah they had so many questions but at the end i was like what did you think and they were like i mean
1: wow (laughs) it it worked it it worked i'm glad to see that it still has its way with the with the youths it charmed him. That's good. Like
0: my niece was like, "I got to get on Reddit and see what that was about."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, she's so cute. Yeah, it was cute. Um, yeah i I had a lot of fun with the rewatch. It's a lot of fun, kind of like trying to decipher. Well, at first, it takes a little bit before you realize, like, oh, this is supposed to be set in like two thousand three, two thousand yeah. four, because it's everything is so eighties. Mm -hmm. It's until um, Kip is, like, on a chat room. Yes. When you're like, oh, there's a computer.
0: He's on his dial-up internet (laughs) chatting with
1: kids all day. And I love that. I love how disorienting that is. It's so disorienting.
0: Like, they're wearing moon boots and side ponytails. And the school dance is, like, nothing but 80s hits. Yeah. But... Yeah, then there are these elements of modern day, the time that it was filmed in. And Napoleon's student ID tells you the school year. Oh, did it really? I totally missed that. 2003 to 2004. But the fact that it's set in Preston, Idaho, makes it make sense that it would feel so out of time. Yeah. Like even, so we grew up in the Pacific Northwest, like in a large suburb. And we would travel to like central Utah, small town central Utah every summer to visit our grandparents. And it felt kind of like that. Like you were traveling back in time, like the songs on the radio changed, Mm -hmm. the fashion changed, the sort of trends in cuisine shifted back a little. You just felt like you'd been in a time machine.
1: Yeah. You know, that thing of when you like Go to a Taco Bell and it's decorated <gasps> like you're in the 90s. Yes. It's like that, except it was like everywhere, like at the subway. You'd go in the subway mm-hmm. um, restaurant and it's like, wait, this is decorated oh, yeah. differently. Is
0: this the first subway uh, <laughs> like on the planet? <laughs> have I entered the original subway?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. I oh. love that. I have to say, I loved... I in retrospect, loved those road trips. Mm -hmm. I love what they I don't know, what they what I the lessons I learned along the way. (laughs) I was telling Luke the other day, I was like, I can tell when a TikTok is taking place in Utah. Oh yeah we were talking about this too. If if it's like a Mormon, you can tell right away. But even if it's just like in Utah or Idaho, I can tell
0: you can feel it. Within I can smell it I can feel it in my bones
1: and Napoleon Dynamite
0: captures that feeling yeah perfectly exactly I mean yeah when we were going on those summer road trips as kids we would get to the town our grandparents lived in and we would almost immediately go to the local candy store and get a bag of penny candy this was in 2000 yeah (laughs) This was not 1965. Like, it was Mm -hmm. a different time. And even still, I kind of feel that way sometimes when I go to Utah. I wouldn't say that about, like, going to Salt Lake or whatever. But if you get out far enough afield in, -hmm. like, Utah, Idaho, it carries this sort of, like, retro-ness.
1: The pace of life is different. I feel like there's a lot of, like, going for walks after dark Mm, the crickets are chirping these things just aren't happening in my day to day but i go to utah and suddenly i'm taken back um (laughs) half a century
0: suddenly i'm sitting on a bench (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's the whole thing you know what i mean i'm sitting on a bench
1: (laughs) i'm sitting on a bench in front of a historic building There's some kind of that used to be a jail. The building used to be a jail. It always used to be a jail. Mm -hmm, Number mm -hmm. one, and there's
0: some old man in the distance shooting a cow in the head.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And
0: the air smells different, and the rain feels different. Oh, the rain! The Mm. rain in these places. Oh my gosh. Have you been to rural Idaho or rural Utah in a rainstorm? Get
1: out of town! Yeah, you've never seen so much lightning in your life. Number oh my one, gosh. you didn't know We've that much lightning could exist. Hey, please, because you
0: know who smelled wet hay? Napoleon Dynamite.
1: Mm-hmm. True. he just
0: lives a wet hay kind of life. I think
1: he might smell like wet hay. <laughs> I suspect.
0: So, a tiny bit of background about this movie um it came out in 2004 it was the sort of origins of it are that john header who played napoleon dynamite and jared hess who wrote and directed it were film students together at byu and uh they came up with this like short film that had the character napoleon dynamite basically in it shopped it around one thing i read was that um It did well at, like, a small short film festival, and so they were shopping it around and getting investors, and one casting agent was like, I don't think this John Hedder guy should play the main character because nobody knows him. I think Jake Gyllenhaal should play Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) Can you imagine? Jake Gyllenhaal does not know what it smells like when it rains in rural Idaho.
1: No. He has no clue.
0: No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was fascinating. I was like, what a flop that would have been. You think Jake Oof. Gyllenhaal can shake his hips like that? Never.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Um. Yeah, so comes out in 2004 is like this runaway hit. Mm-hmm. Um. The budget was super, super small, but they grossed like $48 million in the box office.
1: That's so sick.
0: And like I said, we went inside in theaters not even knowing it's sort of how its origins were tied to our cultural upbringing at all it was just like a movie people were talking about yeah but then as it got bigger and bigger um I went back to BYU that fall and it was everywhere at BYU I went to so many like campus events with the cast of Napoleon Dynamite I can't even I can't even tell you how many I just <laughs> of course every single time there was one I was there and it was like <laughs> it's the old man who shoots the cow and the actors who played La Fonda, and they're doing a Q&A and I was like I have questions I want answers I will be there. <laughs> BYU That's was going adorable. crazy for this movie that year
1: I believe it. Mormons were insufferable about Napoleon Dynamite.
0: Yes. As soon as it like took off, it was like, "Oh my gosh, we have to claim this movie." Yeah. I was actually thinking about that because so I, you know, went to BYU and I was an English major and fancied myself a kind of um person who might one day create art of some kind. And uh <laughs> there's this sort of famous quote um let me pull it up from a mormon leader uh orson f whitney who was i believe a general authority yeah he was definitely a general authority way 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 back in mormon days and he sort of famously talks about mormon art and the potential of mormon artists and he says Hmm. we shall yet have milton's and shakespeare's of our own Mm mm-hmm Hmm. and I remember like being taught about that quote as an English major at BYU that this was this sort of um the legacy we were all destined to inherit right we were gonna be hmm. these great Mormon artists True. Sure. and so whenever there was even a glimmer of art that succeeded and was at all tied to Mormonism it was like see see it's happening it's happening
1: yeah this is it
0: yeah. And that was a big part of the whole like Mormon cinema boom of the early 2000s, right? Like, see, we're artists. Mm. We have a, we can do this well and still maintain our Mormonness. So it was like a big thing. People were excited about it. What's your reaction to that? I feel like you have a reaction to it. You're looking like uh you want to slap me in the face.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> not like I want to slap you in the face. No, not at all. I I'm going over in my head, like, what could possibly be filed under that category? Right. Like, like, like Twilight. Right. Right. But BYU is famously like, uh, right. Now, nah.
0: yeah, they don't yeah. seem to have a strong connection to her. Um, is it that yeah, Brandon Sanderson fantasy writer guy? Is Who's he that on Milton? He's super famous, Katie. He's like, uh, I mean, not in my world, but um he's like a super <laughs> prolific fantasy writer. Um and he uh works at BYU and teaches writing and publishes like crazy and has like a huge oh, following. sure.
1: I recognize I recognize some of his works.
0: Yeah. Is he yeah. the Mormon Milton?
1: Honestly, he look this looks promising. Yeah, could be. Um,
0: yeah, but I think it's like a thing that Mormons who believe in that potential get frustrated about. Like, when I was trying to find that quote from Orson F. Whitney to remember what it was, I came across like articles like in By Common Consent and other places that are like, Where are they? Where are our great artists? Like, yeah. we're ready. Um, so it's like this anxiety too, like why aren't we achieving this promised, like artistic transcendence?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of um talented Mormon artists make the mistake of making Mormon art, mm. like just knock it off, you know. It's
0: true. If like you think I feel like there are a folks lot of raised Mormon who who are creating art that has nothing to do with Mormonism and so you don't necessarily think about it as Mormon art there are probably lots of them yeah probably Ryan Gosling famously Mormon just killed it as Ken is he yeah. <laughs> the great artist of Mormon? is this it right. right right sorry I cut you off what but yeah you, you know
1: you think of like I don't know I feel like there are so many um uh like Mormon painters for example yeah and it's just like, maybe if you paint something other than uh, Jesus, mm-hmm. might get a little more traction. Sure. You know? I mean, and like not you that could Milton even...
0: and Shakespeare didn't talk about Jesus. It's not that you can't. Sure. It's just the only Mormon focus of things. And I feel like that's why Napoleon Dynamite kind of stands out, right? Like it's Mormon art that's not about Mormonism. Right. And that was really refreshing into and honestly like,
1: still is. Cheekily references it very lightly, and otherwise it's just made by Mormons. It's yeah. that perfect yeah. balance. And
0: because we're Mormon, we see Mormonness in it everywhere. Yeah. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not a more it's not about it.
1: Right. And really, like you don't see a ton like um. I saw in the notes you referenced that painting in Trisha's house. Mm -hmm. That's the girl, the girl among the hollyhocks or whatever. It's like the little girl walking in the garden. And I feel like everybody in the 90s had that in their living room.
0: Mm -hmm. Every Mormon. Yes. Every Mormon.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And I was thinking about that um, because I was like trying to look up. I was like, what is that painting? And it's like kind of weird when you think about it that we all had that yeah. just random painting of that little girl in our house like yeah. who is she right and there I and feel what like there was like a little made-up story about it sure that I, i'm saying made up i assume it's made up <laughs> um i don't remember what the story was but Mm-mm. i was like why did we all have that painting i feel like right. nowadays there are more like oh everybody has this picture of jesus this picture of mary but back then it was like no we all have this picture of this little girl in the flower it just gives me it gives me a sense of peace and calm. yeah and it's like she's walking, walking with the Lord.
0: Right. Or, or it's like that um primary song, like whenever I hear the song of a bird, right? Like
1: walk um, by a lilac tree. Yes.
0: That's what that mm. makes me think of. It's like, oh, we're just honoring how beautiful the world is, and that's honoring God. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that song or how we got on that tangent. But Mormon art,
1: whoa, yeah, I know. I feel like we should make a a video episode about Mormon art.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, look at some of the truly iconic. I mean, I think about like the Arnold Freiberg paintings of uh-huh. like Nephi, where he's r- super ripped, <laughs> yeah! super jacked. Those or are like sick.
1: Jesus is like so white. Ooh, yeah. He's so, so, <laughs> so borderline Aryan. They're yes. like, we want to make him blonde, but we're not going to make him blonde, but we want to, and you can tell.
0: Right. Or like Greg Olson, where again, Jesus is super white. I saw Greg Olson paintings on my mission a lot in homes of people who were not Mormon. And in fact, people who like hated us, they'd be like, don't knock on my door. But we'd be like, but you have Mormon art in your house. They'd be like, I worship Jesus, not whatever you people are selling. And I'm like, that's ours. That's our boy right there.
1: That's our white
0: Jesus. (laughs) Anyway, Napoleon Dynamite. Let's get back at it. Uh, yeah, Runaway Success. I wanted to say, too, when talking about it being, like, a huge movement um, at BYU the year it came out, um, I was an RA that year, and the residence halls had a competition where we painted the windows on the front of the hall, and my hall decided to vote to paint vote for Pedro on our windows, and we won the contest. Oh wow! Because our choice was so timely, and that's my Napoleon Dynamite story. I hope you loved it.
1: I <laughs> did love it. I have a similar one. I was getting my first middle school sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever had the pleasure. You know, you get the sweatshirt, and it's like, oh, I can get my name put on the back of it. <laughs> But with Napoleon Dynamite having just come out, I wanted Vote for Pedro on the back of my sweatshirt. And I was just, like, so sure about it. I was mm-hmm. like, that's what I want. Like, filling out the paperwork. And our mom was like, don't you think you might regret that? <laughs> I remember being like, no. Why would you regret it? It's not like the stakes are that high. Uh, but anyway, no regrets, luckily. And I did put Oh, so you sweatshirt. did it. Oh Katie, yep.
0: I love yep. that. My I feel like as a middle schooler, middle school. you were like a w- probably super cool and edgy and ahead of the game because you were like Oof. vote for Pedro. I think
1: I was a just total nerd, but yeah. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. <laughs> um, let's talk about the movie itself and just our experience rewatching it after all this time.
1: I definitely feel like I was taking in a completely different movie this time
0: interesting say more
1: i mean i don't know i think maybe because the first time i saw it i was 12 sure (laughs) and then i've seen it a couple times since then over the years you know it it comes up but it's been Mm -hmm. a long time and now i'm in my 30s um and so i'm looking at like i just see these actors differently i'm seeing uncle rico in a different light after he was in white lotus Mm -hmm. there's a darkness
0: Oh my gosh, the Uncle Rico character—I did experience him very differently. Now, yeah, Like, so um, tragic and so dark, so like evil.
1: Yes, such a he bad has evil darkness. The time machine storyline where he wants a time machine to go back—like that—is very intense. Yeah, that's it's... an intense element to add. That he is so like this is a man on the brink of, you know, on the brink. Let's just say he's, he's buying equipment over the internet. Yeah. Yeah. He sure is. Um, Kip. I was going to say the character of Kip.
0: The unsung hero of this movie. Like, please.
1: I mean, I always was sort of
0: a fan of Kip for sure, but watching it again, I'm like, how did this actor not get picked up after this into like a million mainstream hollywood projects because his line delivery throughout the film is out of this world like i've never seen anybody hit so hard as kip in napoleon dynamite even like the my niece and nephew afterwards i was like what did you think they were like kip (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah He's hip. so
1: funny. His delivery, um, his, like, the way that he just, like, projects, his, like, soft-spokenness, <laughs> the little voice he puts on. You put in your notes the fact that he gets braces, like, halfway through the movie. <laughs> oh, I I just, like, and he's adorable. Like, he's, a, he's such a, a cute man. I don't know. I agree. I don't know how he didn't get picked up for other things. He's so... He's, a He's star. just something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, especially because there are people in this movie, like John Hedder did get picked up. He was in a movie with Will Ferrell. I know. Like, co-starred with Will Ferrell in Blades of Glory after this. That's wild to me. I read on Wikipedia that he was originally paid $1,000 to pay Napoleon- to play Napoleon Dynamite. And then after Whoa. the movie took off, he, like, renegotiated that. But that's how, like, kind of whatever they all sort of expected this to be. Like, this will be fun, but, you know, nobody's getting famous from this. Nobody's going to be co-starring with Will Ferrell after
1: this. Yeah. Yeah, John Hedder was, like, kind of a thing for a while. Yeah. I mean, Dynamite it really, like, encapsulated that, like kind of like quirky very like i feel like during that time period we were all really going for this kind of like 80s high school mm. vibe very like writing notes on lined paper yeah it makes me think um, of like
0: juno which was yeah. years later actually like one might say napoleon dynamite was an influence yeah <laughs> you know i i don't know that that's official but it's a similar sort of aesthetic and feeling. Yes. A little bit out of time.
1: Yeah. Even that the- intro
0: sequence where there the like names of all the cast and crew are written out in like ketchup on a burger.
1: Mm-hmm. Like wow.
0: that feels very of a time to me.
1: I feel like the hipsters of the late 2000s Were like being conceived Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah, that was. They were like
0: finding their identities. They were having a spiritual awakening
1: while watching, which was me. Which, to be clear, that was me. I was the twelve-year-old who was like, "Is this? Is my brain chemistry changing?
0: Yeah, is this who I'm meant to be?
1: Right? Am I gonna get vote for Pedro put on the back of a sweatshirt? Am I a Deb? Am I going to boondoggle <laughs> at scout camp?
0: At scout camp.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Am I going to say your mom goes to college every time I oh, hear the only- word college from now on?
1: Yes. Only a, th- a thousand times. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about all the little things that have been picked up. The little quotes that we say mm-hmm. um, from Napoleon Dynamite. Your mom goes to college. I feel like everybody said, Tina, you fat lard. <laughs> um, I don't know what this word is supposed to mean, so forgive me. But when he calls Uncle Rico a bow daggett. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that hits. Yep. Yeah, it still works for me.
0: <laughs> I decided that if I were auditioning for Juilliard... I would do Napoleon Dynamite's current events monologue about the Loch Ness Monster as my audition. His line delivery in that is so funny. <laughs> he, like, intentionally is mispronouncing words, but, like, is so earnest about it. Like, yeah. Nessie, our underwater ally. Like, he's <laughs> just, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible.
1: Yeah and it's the that's the first scene isn't it yes and that's, the that's opening how scene. we
0: kick it off
1: yeah that's one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie but yeah the way the way he just talks like this and i love how he like barely opens his eyes yeah throughout the whole movie
0: however i am going to say something and i need you to hear me out i need you i need our listeners i need everybody to go with me for just a moment let's go napoleon dynamite is a little bit hot (laughs) so I wrote in my notes just stay with me I see your face I wrote in my notes he is Adam Driver in a different dimension like he is actually pretty tall and kind of ripped and (laughs) when he wears the suit to the dance you're like okay there you are Napoleon I see you and then when he dances you're like oh okay he can shake it like John Hutter has a certain something,
1: so I'm not gonna say that he's hot. <laughs> I'm not gonna That's go that fine. far.
0: That's fine. I mean, there are people who would say Adam Driver isn't hot because he's also yeah. super weird looking.
1: Yeah, but they'd be wrong. Um, I uh, but uh, but but I do see what you mean, Adam Driver. If he was from Idaho, like yeah. I, I see, I see.
0: I see. I see. Idaho is the different dimension I'm talking about. Adam yeah. Driver, if he grew up Mormon in rural Idaho,
1: that's who he'd be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm. Now I'm like, could they have made him a little bit hotter? I mean, it, they literally could have. It could have still been John Heder. It's not like John Heder is an ugly man. Yeah. Um, but just like they should have let him be a little bit hot. I would submit they did let him be a little bit hot. (laughs)
0: Okay, Fair. Fair, I mean, there's one scene where he's wearing like, oh, there are multiple scenes where he's wearing like horse t-shirts and I'm like, oh my gosh. He is, again, the crossover with our current moment. He has Kennergy. Mm -hmm. He is Ken post like patriarchal awakening. Not that I Mm. think that's what we're aiming for. But it is like yeah, in rural Idaho, this is your idea of like masculinity, right? It's like I have a sh- I have a horse on my shirt.
1: That yeah. is so funny. It is really funny. Speaking <laughs> of masculinity in Idaho, the I don't I don't remember what his name is, but the character that's supposed to be Summer Wheatley's boyfriend, the yes. like blonde oh. guy, the douchebag.
0: He is so well cast. He is Holy the other smokes. one who I'm like this guy is stealing the show for me in the way He just looks like so disgusted and superior at everything that everybody does. He's just like, about everything. I was like, not only is this the most Mormon dude I've ever seen in my freaking life, but he is so the like rural bully who, because there are like 16 people in his school, he's like, I'm so hot and cool and no one can touch me, but he's, he's just a
1: dork total dork total dork he's like popping his collar and like like scoffing at everybody oh my gosh he also looks like 35 yeah it's true he would be eaten alive outside of idaho yeah it's awesome he
0: is so perfectly cast he should be the bully in every hollywood film that is ever made he should still be playing a teenager to this day (laughs) okay some things about this movie that are super mormon let's just throw a few okay. out um boondoggling at scout camp mormon 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 yeah. the f- the anything f- red flag are flagging yes um the way that the white teacher talks to pedro in the scene where we first meet pedro and he's like i don't know how you do things in wherever mexico war- yes but here we do it this way i was like um whoa we are leaning into racial microaggressions here
1: i mean he's straight up aggressive he's like he says something like you speak english don't you oh yeah or something like that
0: or at the end when summer wheelie says i don't know who wants to eat chimichangas next year because she is running against pedro for class president she's like "But not me I was like, whoa, Whoa. Summer Wheatley is a freaking racist. By the way, Summer Wheatley is played by Haley Duff, sister of Hilary Duff, one of the great coups of this film. You got a Duff sister. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Other Mormon things, the Rick's College t-shirt, as we mentioned. Uncle Rico and Kip get caught up in a couple of pyramid schemes slash MLMs. Yes. Oh, my
1: God. They're selling Tupperware.
0: They're selling like herbal breast enhancements. I mean, mm-hmm. could you be any more Mormon? Honestly, the music at the school dance, like Forever Young, Mm -hmm. um time after time i'm am i at a stake dance i mean we've covered this topic extensively katie that was a mormon
1: dance (laughs) that was a beautiful mormon dance the fact that the girls were wearing like white like mormon wedding dresses yes
0: right they were so conservatively dressed and these were like popular hot girls like summer we and trisha were dressed like they were going to their baptism also kip and lafonda get married after two months two months after meeting mormon more men one other mormon thing about the movie it's not in the movie i just learned about it today reading on wikipedia uh jared hess who directed and wrote the movie says he got the name napoleon dynamite from a man he met on the street while he was a Mormon missionary. And I love that so much. I was telling you, Katie, before we started recording, I feel like every Mormon missionary has a story about meeting someone named Napoleon Dynamite, basically. Like you were always and- meeting characters who were like, my name's
1: Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> Do you think this guy was just messing with him?
0: I think his name was Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> okay. I think when you spend all day, every day out walking the streets talking to everybody desperate to like connect to anyone who will talk to you, you meet people named Napoleon Dynamite. I met a man mm-hmm. on my mission who was named Hot Chocolate. Oh wow. That was his name.
1: Wow. Oh.
0: And he I was love a that. lovely person. He was so nice. He he actually oof. He actually got baptized and um, it was quite a story because the sisters had been teaching him for a long time and they were doing his baptismal interview, the um, uh, district leader or whoever. And one of the questions they ask in the baptismal interview is whether you've ever killed anybody. I don't know if they asked that directly or if they, it comes out through other questions, but it came out that he had, and he had spent like decades in prison for murder. He had been like a young teen who got caught up in something and he had killed somebody. Um, mm. And at that point he was like in his sixties. He was an old man. Um, So we had to get first presidency approval to be baptized. And wow. it took a long time And so I came into the picture right when he was getting baptized, but I hadn't been a part of any of that. I was just like, oh, hey, you're getting baptized? Cool. And he's like, yeah, it's been quite a process because of my murder. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. i chocolate. He was a really lovely, sweet human being. And he had worked with so many sets of sister missionaries because he'd been waiting for so long to get baptized. And he gave us all Mm. nicknames. And my companion at the time was really a kind of uptight, difficult person. And he called her Sister Broccoli. And she hated that. She was like, come on, (laughs) Sister Broccoli. And, like, he was definitely digging. He was definitely trolling Oh by calling her that. And then I was, like, her new companion. I was brand new to the mission field. And um, she was my trainer and she took herself very seriously. She was sister broccoli. And he met me and he's like, You're sister cool. And oh. she was so mad that she didn't talk to me for the rest of the day. She was so mad that chocolate wow. called me sister cool.
1: <laughs> That's like you're never gonna forget that, are you? I
0: know. I mean, I still Core. I still feel like he saw me, you know, he got Sister Cool. He had my back oh, yeah. with Sister Broccoli because she was no fun at all. <laughs> anyway, this is what I mean. Like him meeting someone on his mission named Napoleon Dynamite, I 100% believe it. All right. I'm with you. Um, I feel like one thing we've touched on but that we need to really talk about for a moment is the actor who plays Uncle Rico, John Grease. Okay. John Grease is Greg from The White Lotus. He's Jennifer Coolidge's husband, as in these gays are trying to murder me. John (laughs) Grease is the one ostensibly hiring the gays to murder her. Wow. That is Uncle Rico. That is so incredible to me. I like to think that Uncle Rico and Greg are the same person. Yeah, I can see that. That that timeline is unbroken. (laughs) And he was that sort of cowboy character that um you know this british man fell in love with back in idaho and he was like pining for 82 he's like ah in 82 i could throw a pigskin a quarter mile if i could get a time (laughs) machine back to 82 i'd i'd take state yeah and that's how they fell in love you know they shared that vulnerability together and then
1: Right. Fast- and, like, I just feel like Uncle Rico could commit a murder. In Napoleon Dynamite, I'm like, this guy's either going to kill himself or somebody else.
0: Yeah. Like- he has a deep, dark need, want, longing, unfulfilled uh, dream, you know, and it is eating away at him every second of every day to the point that he is bullying his own teenage nephew. Yeah. And also, like... There's a scene where he goes to Deb's glamour shots and he tries to sell her the breast enhancement herbal things and says, like Napoleon said you'd want this. It's actually super creepy and dark and kind of upsetting. They could have uh, they could have not done that. Yeah. That's when Uncle Rico became Greg. There mm-hmm. it is. But again, How beautiful, Lisa. What a what a coup to get like a a duff sister. To get John Grease, who will one day play Greg in the White Lotus,
1: wow! White to Lotus, have Napoleon Kip, Dynamite, the crossover. unsung
0: hero. Yes, it's all just—I mean, this film—it slaps. Yeah, it—it it sure does.
1: All I, after all this time,
0: I think Napoleon Dynamite is the Milton and the Shakespeare of Mormonism. I think so too. I think it's the best we have to offer.
1: I can't think of anything better. <laughs>
0: if you can think of something better i'm open send it our way we We'll we're happy to right. discuss it but i think that napoleon dynamite is up there
1: yeah non-religious mormon made art mm-hmm. does it get any better if you
0: have thoughts email us at please at gmail.com message us instagram tiktok twitter at please bless pod we want to know mm-hmm. also we have to talk about from uh, our last episode about magic and Mormons, we got some incredible DMs about oh, people's share. like family seer stones. Yes, I'm dying. I'm I I want more. Just please yeah. don't stop sharing.
1: Yeah, I cannot please. get enough. If you know somebody who knows somebody, if you're <laughs> yes. suspicious of somebody, you know. We are dying to hear about it. I'm seeing myself like in an abandoned building with a flashlight, and it's the middle of the night, and I'm digging through artifacts <laughs> and family histories. And it's like, you know, parchment paper that's crumbling in my yes. hands, I'm trying to put the pieces together. That's like, <laughs> I'm looking
0: level. at the stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like Katie said, this is our national treasure. Don't yeah. ever stop. More. In the meantime, uh, rate and review the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and uh, comment on YouTube. Subscribe there; like we're around, you guys. Find us, follow us, talk to us. We want to hear from you.
1: Yeah, but uh, especially if you have something nice to say.
0: Oh my gosh! Especially if you have mm-hmm. something nice to say, or you want to share seer stone lore with us, hit us up.
1: And most of all, who's blessed this podcast? Amen.